Welcome to the Halftime Mike Podcast, presented by basketball fan and Hoosier native Mike Gingrich, where practical, no-nonsense resourcing on social media, business marketing, and life is presented, because the adjustments made at halftime help you win the game in the second half. Hey, hey, this is Mike, and this is part two of my interview with Jesse and Rachel from Kushu. We had a great part one, so you want to make sure you check that out and uh, hear, hear the background on this e-commerce store that uh, this uh, young couple started. Uh, Kushu is a word from Norfolk, where Rachel's from, meaning feeling good. And that's what the essence of the brand is about. This is the way they make decisions with the business. Does this feel good? And so we talk about their e-commerce store, what their products are, and uh, the style, the manufacturing, the uniqueness of that, and uh, the, you know, all-natural organic cotton. I mean, uh, there's some, some neat things here. And then how they're growing the business, how they have taken this online store and um, found ways to market it, make connections uh, all along the way, doing that within a model of Kushu. So that was part one. Now part two, we want to dive in now and get back into the conversation where we were just getting ready to talk about crowdfunding campaigns. And they've run one successfully with Kushu. And so we want to drill into that Kickstarter a little bit more and go into more details. So without further ado, here we go on part two. All right, all right, Jesse. I, I really value this uh, crowdsource conversation here, and I'm thinking that maybe we should dive into this a little bit more and uh, talk about some of the uh, success keys that uh, you guys have found from running your Kickstarter campaigns. That sound good to drill into that a little bit more detail? Yeah, yeah, that sounds fantastic. Um, I mean, as, as we mentioned, uh, Kickstarter – we had a, we found it tremendously successful, especially when compared to kind of traditional methods of raising capital. Um, in in Kickstarter's case, you get to market your product, you get to confirm that the concept that you had is actually a valid and useful wanted concept, um, and it's also it's a really good collateral building exercise for your business. Excellent, excellent. All right, so. Uh, any like uh, drill down details? What are what are things that if someone's considering this that they need to be aware of and make sure that they give attention to? The way that we we've helped um, quite a few friends and other people that um, are launching their own campaign based on our success, and, and we kind of drilled it into kind of three areas. There's the pre-campaign, during campaign, and then post-campaign. Um, starting with pre-campaign. I think you can't underestimate what you essentially want to do is guarantee your success before you even start. Um, what we mean by that is, um, first of all, set an achievable target goal. I think that's incredibly critical. I know on Kickstarter, I think it's um, if you reach 20% of your funding goal, 80% of those projects go on to make their goal. So if you're looking to raise $100,000 you better know that you have the audience and the press lined up to get there. What we did is we um, we sent out press releases and we worked together with a lot of press outlets before we'd even launched. You can send a teaser link of what the campaign is going to look like even before it's launched to those press outlets. And you basically, depending on how you'd like to work it, you can give exclusives. 
you get anybody on board so that the day it hits, those press articles go out and you come out of the out of the gate just running. I, I think that can't be underestimated enough. If you can get that press lined up, get your networks lined up to all hit at the same time so that number spikes right at the beginning, you're off to an amazing head start. Yeah. And then within that, if you can work into it some way that it's really easy to share within those brand new pools of people so that that just keeps spawning, then you're really going to keep flying through the whole 30 days. So we developed um, a landing page. You can go into detail. Yeah, if uh, if you look it up, it's still live right now. It still sits on our site, and we're actually going to be um, adapting it and using a new version for the upcoming Kickstarter campaign that we're going to be running for our baby pants. Um, but it's at kushu.com, K-O-O-S-H-O-O.com, backslash pages, backslash Kickstarter. Um, and it was a really simple coded page where it's a very personal, hey, welcome, thank you. That's either thank you to our friends or thank you to backers that have already backed the project. Thank you for backing. The way that this is going to happen is if we get it out to as many people as possible. And then there was really quick um, Facebook share. Twitter share and another opportunity to watch the campaign video. So very simple interface, but just having that landing page that we sent everybody to kept an excitement going throughout the the campaign. And we managed to turn a lot of our current backers into our sellers effectively, which helped magnify the reach. And and then the third aspect that we always talk about is, um, is post sales. Um, Something that we didn't fully anticipate, but we were obviously pleasantly surprised, was there were a ton of new opportunities that were spawned of the Kickstarter, which was great. It's nice to set yourself in a position to do that. We ended up selling in Japan. We ended up with all sorts of press. We got just a ton of feedback, new wholesalers through that campaign. I think at the end of the day, Kickstarter has a platform which allows you to essentially tell the product story in reverse once the campaign has closed, where you can add your social media, where you can tell us, continue to update your backers, and so on and so forth. I think it's a really huge opportunity to capitalize on that so that even when you launch new products subsequently, you still use the campaign and all of the backers that were associated with that to help leverage new launches and new products. So it's a really amazing platform. And in exchange, what you're giving, and if you're not, if the people listening to this aren't familiar, uh, you give 5% to Kickstarter plus a payment processing fee, which ranges from basically 25 to 4.5%. So you're looking at about uh, anywhere from 75 to 9% of your funding goes to Kickstarter. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Can I just add one other point for during your campaign? Please do. Um, one other thing, as you've got your audience helping you um, reach new new people, another way to keep those eyes fresh and really engaged is there's a thing called stretch goals within your campaign. So when you do get that huge spike, sometimes you hit your goal like we did in the first couple days. And when people see your goal is reached, sometimes the human conditioning is like, oh, they've reached it. They're all good. But really, you want to keep that trajectory going up the whole time. That momentum. That momentum. So 
something that we're going to perfect and we're really working hard on this time is not only the original product or concept that you're selling, but once you hit your goal, you actually release these other new products or, or um, services to the people once you hit these extra goals on top of your stretch original goals. one, your stretch goal. So we're working on new products that actually create an even more in incredible collection by the end of the 30 days. So that's another great way so that all these brand new incentives get released as you keep going up through through the numbers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. All right. So that's uh, that's that's powerful. So it, it really does take uh, – and this is great insight, but it really takes some – uh, some serious pre-work. I mean, you're talking about the press and things that you want to have ahead of time and, uh, do, do, you know, the community building that you want to do to alert them even before mm -hmm. day one and, and a kind of trying to align your community and resources, so to speak, so that you can almost kind of guarantee success. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it is a tremendous amount of work, uh, yeah. and I don't think you can understate that. I think that the more work you put in, it, it really comes through in the campaign. Um, I know we've had friends that have put in a tremendous amount of work, and they didn't meet their goal. Um, I think setting a realistic goal is is critical. Um, and, and I think also remembering to not, not get discouraged. I, I wrote – I spent 12 hours a day uh, probably for – weeks writing to press and i would say 99 percent of the press i wrote to either didn't respond or didn't run with the story okay we did however get for example on our funding we had one piece of press that did take the story and that led to ten thousand dollars in sales so it is it can be discouraging it is a tremendous amount of work but when you do get that one, it can really pay off. Okay. Oh, and that's that's huge right there, what you said of just the fact that you did have so many, 99% that didn't pick it up. But so not to be discouraged because the one that did, you know, the the magnitude of sales that came from that. So they have to be prepared for that kind of initial, um, you know, rejection and, and just to keep pushing through that to find that 1% that are willing and that can still help you do what you need to do. It, it can make a massive difference, and and in the in the heart of it, when you're when you're sleep deprived and you're hustling, 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 it can be discouraging. But when you do get that piece that comes back, and you see the sales rolling in, and and not just then, but from a um, from an SEO standpoint, we continue to this day. That was just over a year ago now to see daily traffic from that one that one press article that continues to come to our site and continues to create conversions. So. Okay. And it's also hugely valuable because all of a sudden we've found a huge well of community that we can speak to that are our people that we didn't have before. Yeah. So it's great. It's like finally out of that, you know, that 1%, we found our people. So it's a huge benefit overall. Okay. Yep. And, and, uh, uh, Rachel, I really liked what you said too about these stretch goals because that, that again that takes work, but it's it's thinking through ahead of time, preparing for what some stretch goals can be. Yes, definitely because once you start, you can't get it. You know, you, <laughs> you've got to have that all prepared beforehand because once the once the machine is on, you're just trying to keep up with correspondence. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Now let's uh, let's speak to the. That piece again. I mean, we've we've mentioned it briefly, but the importance of a kind of crisp and clean video for that. How, how 
important and what were tips that you want to offer that uh, related to you, the video you used in your Kickstarter campaign? Um, so when we when we began, what we did was we spent probably a day or two on Kickstarter um, looking at campaigns that had reached their funding and identifying what we liked about the campaigns and the videos. Um, in today's world, as is well known, we're an increasingly visual audience. So we want really quick, infographic type of information. So for the actual body, we really focused on very visual, collateral, very infographic related. For the video itself, I think one of the biggest takeaways was um, make your message short, simple to digest, easy to relay, and and uh, human. And human. Yeah. So I, when I say short, we endeavor to keep our video at two minutes or less. I think majority of the videos that we watched that were successful were two minutes or less. Um, you can usually achieve what you're looking to do in that time. And for us, we're a very, uh, I mean, Rachel is a designer by nature. So design is inherent in everything we do. It's always at the forefront. So we took great care in in the type of filming we did in the script that we wrote for the Kickstarter, uh, we've paid a lot of attention to that element. And the other beautiful part too, Mike, is that um, we were able to take that Kickstarter video and work a re-edit and use it for, um, we applied for some grants with that same video with a small re-edit. Um, and we've also re-edited before to use just as a about us piece on our website. So again, we recycled that video in multiple ways. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's some good stuff here. And um, all right. Now, I know that uh, you use Kickstarter for this. And of course, there's the other platforms out there, uh, Indiegogo. And do you want to maybe address your thoughts on the differences between the two and, um, you know, how – I'm assuming you're going Kickstarter again with this uh, second round here. That's that's the plan. There there is like one slight complication that we're trying to overcome, which is we, we're uh, that we manufacture and sell predominantly in the United States. We are headquartered in Canada, where our bank is, and Kickstarter has this funny rule that um, the currency that your bank is uh, is what your campaign has to be in which doesn't make a lot of sense when we're so they're telling us we need to make our campaign in canadian even though 90 percent of our audience is in america so uh indiegogo by contrast doesn't have that you can set your currency that said the reason we chose kickstarter the first time and the reason that we're likely to use it again is we just believe that the brand equity the name is just so valuable uh whenever we did go to those press even uh all, you know, 100% of the ones, 99% may not have gotten back or run with it, but it's an easily identifiable, um, you know, name. So when you say Kickstarter, immediately people know what you're talking about. I'm not sure that that translates as much to Indiegogo. And anytime you can help shave off explanation time, I think it's a valuable thing because you can get more to the core of your message. So instead of having to explain what Indiegogo is, if people already understand that Kickstarter, oh, that is crowdfunding, then you're already that much further into um, into what you're doing. The flip side to that is Indiegogo has a nice feature where you can still get your money even if you don't hit your funding goal. So Kickstarter is all or nothing. If you set your funding goal at $10,000, if you sell 
$9,999, you're not going to get your funding. On Indiegogo, you hit your, you get your money no matter what. If you make your goal on Indiegogo, uh, you get, uh, you, you are charged 4%. If you don't make your goal, you're charged 9%, I believe. You may want to double check that. So you, there's a little bit of a penalty fee if you don't make it, but you're still going to get that money, which can be huge. If you've got a goal of $40,000 and you raise $30,000, I don't know many entrepreneurs that would turn away $30,000 and in Kickstarter you just wouldn't see that money. Yeah. Wow, okay, that's that's a significant key right there. Yeah, I, I think um knowing what your goal is, knowing how much you need that money to achieve what you're looking to achieve. For us, uh, we knew that production of the product that we were running, it was a 12 outfit in one travel shawl. Um, called the journey shell. We, we knew that to make that product, we would need at least $20,000. That said, we knew that if we got $10,000, we would use our own capital to raise the balance um, because we wanted to make sure that no matter what, we hit our funding goal. So that's why we chose a funding, uh, a target of 10,000, even though we knew, knew we needed more. Uh, we ended up surpassing both those numbers, thankfully. But we knew going in, we wanted the money regardless, and we were going to fill in the difference. If you're not in a financial position to do that, well, perhaps Indiegogo is a better platform. Got it. Got it. No, I think that's I think some that's, uh, key information there for the audience. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. Uh, that that was that, that was like a, a nugget within itself. I mean, that could be an entire <laughs> episode right there. So that's wonderful stuff. Um. I want to kind of go back to your e-commerce site a little bit now and uh, talk Kushu just from a little bit of a marketing perspective. I know that uh, you and I uh, met basically at social media camp in Canada kind of around the concept of some content marketing, and I know that's been something you guys are digging into a little bit more. So uh, why don't you talk about the what you see is the importance of and how you're trying to go about, uh, you know, beefing up and, and working at your content marketing strategy. Great. Do you want to, which, which, which angle do we begin with? This is a big, big, big topic. So we're, we're, we're trying to focus our time uh, as much as possible is, is well, is what you just said, Mike is content. So um, just before social media camp, literally a couple of weeks, we launched a brand new blog. Um, we ended up building a blog on another platform from where our site was because we weren't happy with the integrated blog and we used Shopify for our website. We weren't happy with the blog platform on Shopify. So we ended up building a separate blog using Squarespace um, and launched it. It's called the Feel Good Daily. Uh, and it's a site where you can come in and get inspiration on anything that helps you feel good. The reason feel good is Kushu actually means feeling good in Norfolk, which is the language where Rachel is from and that embodies so much of what we're about. So the Feel Good Daily is our resource now that we're constantly curating and building content that appeals to our audience. Um, it's very much taking, taking heart what we learned at Social Media Camp from people like yourself um, is building content that is not just keyword friendly, but is really valuable to our audience. And I think that was one of our big takeaways is stuff that our audience can really hook into and, and hopefully go on to share. So that's where our focus is for, for really social uh, on our website. Okay. All right. And then, you know, breaking that down for me uh, practically, what does, um, 
what does that mean for you guys on a weekly basis? You know, uh, are you trying to get things out once a week, twice a week? Uh, what, what's that mean? Well, there's there's this unfortunate there's a slight difference between a slight gap between uh, what we would like to do and what is in actuality. Um, what we would like to do is be putting out three to five pieces of content a week. Um, I think that would be a sweet spot. I know we have the content for it. I just don't know that we have the time to write it. Um, we're still working on bridging this. In actuality, we're putting out one to three pieces a week. Um, and content is a challenge for us. We're a small company. Um, time is definitely our number one uh, resource and therefore is, is uh, it, you know, when, when you're stretched so far, we're in a massive production right now. Uh, we're launching this new Kickstarter, which has a lot of working parts to it, uh, plus all of the finance, the day-to-day -day consumer uh, contact. Writing that content has been a, a challenge. Um, so we're going to be working on collaborating a lot more, which means a lot more strategy and a lot more planning ahead of time, which is great. Sure. So do you want to talk about some of the um, networks that we learned at Social Media Camp that we're really excited about implementing? Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, one, one thing that we, we have used to a great success in the past is, is um, online freelancing websites. Uh, we've used those for a lot of our um, everything from background image editing to video editing um, content structure, content editing, uh, we found freelancers around the world to help us with that. And so our goal here is because we're limited in our capacity, in our time, what we're doing is we're creating a very thorough outline of the type of content that we would like to write, right down to article titles and bullet point outlines, and then working with freelancers to help us populate that content while still retaining the value because we've helped build the skeleton of the piece. It's just filling in the blanks. Um, I think that's a huge opportunity. Another great takeaway for us from Social Media Camp, I went to this incredible speaker all about influencers. And influencers, I think, is something that we have yet to really tap into. Um, there's actually one other piece, but influencers where you can actually create a landing page and you explain in that landing page essentially what you're looking for in an influencer. And just to, to I guess, elaborate, an influencer is basically anybody online with a blog, with any type of vocal platform, it could also be offline that has an ability to reach a bigger audience, especially if that audience is in line with the people that you're looking or, or in our case, we're looking to attract. And then you can align with those influencers, um, whether it's by exchange of product, it might just be by exchange of exposure, or if the influencer has a tremendous reach by exchange of mo money um, to help also create new curated content that will appear both in their network and our network. And then the last part is uh, brand ambassadors. We recently launched a, a campaign, a, a platform, excuse me, that's called Kindred Spirits. Um, it's kind of Kushu Kindred Spirits. It really embodies what we're looking for. It's people that share similar values, a shim similar lifestyle to us um, that can go on, that are passionate about Kushu and what it stands for, and they can share that message forward. And what happens is a lot of the times those people are experts in nutrition, in yoga, in traveling, in running, whatever it is, and they can write content, share content through their platform and again on our platform that helps to fill in these content 
content opportunities. Yep, yep. R- related, uh, cross-connected, and yet uh, unique and different, but helps add valuable content to yours. And by partnering, you're offering something to them as well, which just extends each of your networks. Exactly. Yeah, it, it really is a win-win. And that's the beauty of collaboration. I think collaboration is like key for this time. And yeah, we just we're all about collaborating as much as possible. Okay. All right. Uh, two final questions. Maybe, Rachel, I'll let, I'll let you dive into this one. And that yeah. is, uh, tell me about the the value of uh, email marketing in your e-commerce store. Is strength not so much? Uh, how do you use it? Yeah, so um, it was really great to get kind of a refresher on email marketing from Social Media Camp in Victoria. So the social media, you know, it's so abundant it's it's everywhere right now and it has been for you know quite a while now so we have spent quite a lot of time in that space mm-hmm. and along the along the way we've always been collecting our our email you know all, all of our emails so that we, we always know it's very very valuable to have a lot of emails mm-hmm. so we've been collecting them um knowing that but then when i went to one of these lectures it was great they were talking about how the email is something that you like Facebook, for example, nowadays in your feed, if you've got a thousand people that follow you, only 2% actually see your feed on their wall because the your content on your page is actually owned by Facebook. So they can choose how much they want to disclose or not disclose. In other words, how much they would like you to pay to access. Yeah. So right now, exactly. So it's all turned into, it's, it's all what you pay is the reach you get. So with an email, which is fabulous, you have that email and you 100% can do as much or as little with that as as you'd like. Obviously, people sign up and they can unsubscribe. Mm-hmm. Um, but that in itself is so wonderful. So one thing to look at is emails traditionally, they could be pretty bland and flat and quite boring. But when you start to look at using them in a more of a dynamic, interactive way, they become a really awesome platform. So um, from, you know, keeping knowing, you know, not to make it so that they don't need to scroll to putting lots of imagery and that link into more content to starting a little snippet about your blog, but just leave a couple sentences and then get them to um, link, link it back into where they can read the whole thing. Um, It's just such a great, and the open rate is also great. You can really see who's opening, how's it being interacted. You can measure what links work. Um, it's it's a platform where you can really um, perfect and hone, which is something I'm pretty excited about. Yeah. So that's and also it feeds into your social media, right? So it's almost like. Um, it's like the original, and then you can amplify, as, as you were saying, out to your other social media channels. And the other beauty is it doesn't get lost in that waterfall of a feed in social media. It doesn't just disappear. You can always find an email, which is great. It's, it's like hard. It's, it's, and then we – one more thing. We make every email – usually, you know, it's, there's, there's a major topic. We also make our emails slash a blog as well so that they're live on the internet and live in your inbox. 
Okay, so getting a dual content purpose out of them for sure. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you put a lot of work into them, so it's nice to have them out there. Yeah, and and I, you know, I think you're. It's good to hear you say this from an e-commerce perspective. This is something I talk about a lot, and that's just that you know, email is not necessarily um, sexy. You know, social media has more appeal to it in some regards, but in terms of effectiveness, very hard to beat that email marketing. Yeah. 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 Okay. And final question is top social media network that has been working for you? I mean, I know you're in a lot of places. Um, what, what's performing well, you know, helping to build your community, drive traffic back to you? It's funny. I, I, I love this question because the answer to that is it's the platform where we do the least work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's actually Pinterest. Pinterest, yes. Yes, and it's awesome because that platform is amazingly designed for product-based companies. Yep. So it's really to do with the platform itself. It's not so much us. Well, it, it does help that you have really good visual collateral. That's huge all the time for anything, but mm -hmm. it really helps with Pinterest. But their platform is very innovative and it's updating a lot. So things like if we just put in a photograph from maybe our site, it will automatically put in a price, a location, and a description. So you can buy it straight from Pinterest, for example. Yes, yes. So, so okay. So you guys are implementing those and using those. Uh, is it is it a what's it called a tag? Um, well, they uh, they just launched actually, Mike. Uh, buyable pins. Buyable pins. Okay. Yes, you can actually um, you can basically have a checkout process straight from Pinterest, which is just launching, I think, in, in the past couple of weeks here. So we're pretty excited about that. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and yeah. very interesting to note, though, that you said this is the one that perhaps you put the least amount of work into or, or perhaps effort. Yeah, it's just one of those platforms because we – it's funny. We have so much visual collateral. Like we're sitting on a on a gold mine of visuals, and only a very small percentage actually makes it to live online. Um, but whenever we do, it's funny. When we look at our traffic to our website, it's always predominantly Pinterest. Okay. Yeah. You know, on Facebook, we have more like articles and our blogs go up there and, you know, what's happening with our community. But the reach on Pinterest is just far greater. And it's um, it feels like it's always growing and it's a little bit more dynamic, which is great. We see a lot of resharing of our content on Pinterest where we don't so much on our other social media Um and I wish I could tell you exactly the it might reason. Be because I think it's, it's the, a newer platform too, maybe, and yeah. it's not as monitored or as monetized. Um, monetized. So it's a little bit more like you know the Wild West, where you can really get going if you want mm -hmm. to right away. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, the other platform that we are really working on, and I don't know that it's going to have the same kind of conversion rate, but I think in, from a community building standpoint, it's a great opportunity. Is, is YouTube. Um, both Rachel and I are actually yoga instructors. Um, we love it. It's a big part of our lifestyle. And we've been putting together um, meditation videos. Rachel, uh, I'm allowed to say this right now, but <laughs> she's looking away. Uh, she's one of the best yoga teachers I've ever had the pleasure of practicing with. And I've been with a lot of, uh, been, been to a lot of yoga classes. Uh, and she's been filming, we've been filming together, yoga meditations all around the world. We were fortunate enough to, to travel quite a bit. Um, and uh, some of those videos now are up over 15,000 views. And they've only been up for, uh, I guess, a month, a year, excuse me, at the, at the most. I, I think we see a tremendous opportunity to get our products and just get what we stand for out to the world via YouTube by 
means such as meditation videos and and hopefully soon we're going to start to do a little bit more content related videos yeah. uh, taking what we're building in the feel good daily on our blog and and adapting them to video i i think that video is and this was echoed at social media camp is a tremendous opportunity to connect with an audience on a level that um that you just can't through type um so we're we're really focusing on building our youtube channel as well right now okay excellent all right and you know i was just thinking about what i see of you guys visually online and and it just lines up with pinterest and youtube because i think you know what i see you guys are doing you know just very commendable you know give you um kudos for your imagery i mean i think you're doing well with that there's just some some beautiful things there and then as well your videos uh i've seen a number of those and so i think you're you you found kind of that sweet spot that your audience likes and that you're gifted in and you're maximizing those well yeah, thank, thank you, you. <laughs> yeah we it's definitely it's a constant learning process and and you know we we really appreciate uh, finding people like yourself that, you know, we, we trust that we can, you know, further learn from. I, I wouldn't call ourselves, it's funny, it's such a continuum. You know, on the continuum, if we're talking about e-commerce or people that know uh, social media and SEO, I, I think that we're somewhere in the middle. If you look at it in terms of the greater population, we definitely know a lot more because we live it every day. But we still see a tremendous amount that we can learn so much. about SEO, about um, social media, about content oh. marketing. Um, so we're very grateful to folks like you, Mike, for for helping to bridge that gap for for folks like us. Oh no, yeah, that was uh, just my pleasure. Is this we we collaborate and here we are sharing about your experience. I mean, this has just been uh, wonderful to number one, just kind of hear about the whole story of. Um, Kushu and and the you know Norfolk origins and how that comes together, um, just to to be able to then talk about Kickstarter crowdfunding and what you're doing digitally online, just a uh, a great conversation here. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, definitely. I hope it's really helpful for for the listeners. Yes, absolutely. And I think that uh, just for the audience out there, I'm going to make sure that I add in a number of these pieces. I think there's a couple videos uh, I've seen that I'll pull in. You know, I know that that Kickstarter one and then as well, uh, let me get the product name right. I think it's called the, the Journey Shawl. Is that the one that's 12? That's it, yeah. Uh, yeah. 12 yeah well, I'm going to give them a sample from your website. I'll put it on in this blog post then of the 12 ways. You got a great picture of that, you know, 12 ways that it can be worn. So one Journey Shawl, 12 ways to wear it, uh, in, including a address i mean there's all kinds of things so yeah it's pretty amazing <laughs> yeah it's beautiful we'll uh, we'll also send you mike um for when you uh send you a, a unique discount code that you can um then you could share with your viewers here uh, if anybody finds something they like uh you can add that to there all right there we go there we go Wonderful. Well, uh, that's that's going to be a wrap today, folks, on uh, the Halftime Mike podcast with Kushu. Jesse and Rachel, thank you again for joining me from uh, Vancouver area, British Columbia. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. All right. That's it, folks. Again, we'll have everything in the show notes. And until next week, I am Mike Gingrich with the Halftime Mike podcast. Take care. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to the Halftime Mike Podcast with Mike Gingrich. Remember, what you do in the second half can change the outcome of the game. Does your business need resourcing, tools, and social media consulting? Then visit MikeGingrich.com. Want to have Mike speak at your next event? Visit MikeGingrich.com slash speaking. Join us again for another episode of Halftime Mike, your no-nonsense guide to victory on the court of life.